Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Today, staff evangelist James Collins welcomes author Bill Solace to examine the ancient prophecy of Elam, and Marvin McIlvaney will have a very educational Bible in the News report. Thanks to your prayers and financial support, Watchmen on the Wall is heard on almost 700 radio signals each day, proclaiming the good news that God is still on the throne and prayer changes things. For all of our brand new listeners, we say hello, and we have an outstanding resource for you, our new listener pack. Inside the new listener pack is a collection of resources designed to welcome you to Watchmen on the Wall. Every new listener pack includes our Prophetic Observer newsletter and a free gift. So make sure and request your free new listener pack when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. James Collins and Bill Solace come now to begin looking at the ancient prophecy of Elam. In 2015, the Obama administration reached an agreement with Iran, the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, more commonly known as the Iran Nuclear Deal. Former President Donald Trump unilaterally withdrew the United States from that deal in 2018. However, the current President Joe Biden is working to return to the agreement. With the Iran Nuclear Deal back in the headlines, I thought it'd be great for us to visit with Bill Salas. Bill is a Bible prophecy teacher, author, and expert on Iran and the Middle East. He has written a book and produced a great DVD, both of which are titled Nuclear Showdown in Iran, Revealing the Ancient Prophecy of Elam. Bill, it's great to talk with you. Welcome back to The Watchman on the Wall. Hey, thanks so much. Good to be with you here, James. Bill, would you take a moment and share your testimony? How did you come to know the Lord Jesus Christ? I came to know the Lord in 1990. I was at the ripe age of my mid-30s. It was a juncture in my life where I had been through quite a bit of things and did not want to have anything to do with anything called God, but it turned out that right next door to my mortgage business at the time, sharing adjoining walls was a Calvary Chapel in Big Bear Lake, California. And that Calvary Chapel, there was a Bible prophecy teacher named Dr. Chuck Missler. Many of oh, listeners might know who love he Chuck Missler, yeah. And of course, he's since passed away to be with the Lord, but he was teaching on the book of Revelation, and I was invited over there by the pastor. I just started realizing that the God of the Bible, who could tell the end from the beginning through the teachings of Chuck Missler, who was so eloquent and articulate, well-researched, I realized that's the true, genuine God. So I accepted the Lord shortly thereafter. I started diving into the Bible, the prophetic words specifically, mainly Bible prophecies attending church, started doing worship. I used to play piano on the Hawaiian Islands, so I did worship for the church. And I just started writing about Psalm 83 and Iran and this Jeremiah chapter 49 prophecy. And I was encouraged by Dr. Arnold Fruchtenbaum. Some of your listeners may know who he is. Mm-hmm. He's a Messianic Jew scholar from Dallas Theological Seminary. And he encouraged me to write a book, so I did. I wrote a book called Israelistine and came out in 2008 and introduced Psalm 83 as a prophecy pretty much to the prophetic community. And from that point, I started getting right into TV shows. I've been on TBN, Daystar, of course, radio shows like yours, written for Christian Post and the articles well in that daily, et cetera. And meanwhile, I've come out with, we've got now 11 books and 11 DVDs since 
that book came out in 2008, and here we are in 2022. So I've been a very busy camper, as you can tell. Well, Bill, what is the current status of the talks of the JCPOA in Vienna? Your listeners will be aware of the fact that in May of 2018, Donald Trump withdrew the U.S. from the JCPOA deal. They've been trying to reinstate it with the Biden administration. They've been through eight rounds of talks that have failed in Vienna. The latest round broke off in this past March of 2022. And then recently, there were some indirect talks in Doha and Qatar. Those just failed, and that was indirect talks between Iran and the U.S. directly. It was a European Union envoy shuttling between rooms because they wouldn't meet in person, the American diplomat and the Iranian diplomat. And that just ended and failed. So those things are failed. Meanwhile, Iran is racing forward to getting a nuclear weapon. Well, what steps has Iran done specifically to advance its nuclear program since Trump withdrew the United States from the Iranian nuclear deal? Well, they've taken quite a few steps. And I'd like to start by prefacing it that even back in August of 2014, before the JCPOA was even put together in 2015, John Kerry was the diplomat trying to negotiate this nuclear deal, and he had come out and there was an alarming statement. This was reported in Reuters that Iran is at a two-month nuclear weapon breakout. Of course, that was what was hastening Mm. the push to get this JCPOA implemented. But since the Trump withdrawal in September 2020, it says BBC came out that Iran has enriched uranium stockpiles up to 10 times its limit, up to 2.5 tons. Ten times its limit as for the JCPOA. So Iran started moving really quickly. And then two headlines came out in January of 2021. One was Wall Street Journal said Iran was enriching uranium to 20% purity. Now, the JCPOA had them capped off around 3.5%. They moved it up to 20%. And then Israel National News said Iran rolls out 1,000 additional centrifuges. These are advanced centrifuges that could enrich uranium much quicker and much more pure. And then in November 2021, Times of Israel said Iran boasts of boosting its stockpile of enriched uranium up to 60%. Now, James, that's a stone throw away from 90%, which is when you can have a nuclear weapon. Right. And then the defense minister of Israel, and sort of around the same time, the White House both said that they're concerned Iran could have a nuclear weapon in weeks. And now that was reported in Reuters in April of 2022. And they were worried about in April, about a few weeks. So Iran is not fooling anybody at this point. They're trying to advance and get a nuclear weapon rapidly at this point. Well, you mentioned Israel. Israel has made it their policy for the militant Islamic State of Iran to never have a nuclear weapon. How is Israel planning and preparing to prevent a nuclear Iran, both militarily and geopolitically? Well, they are. They're working on parallel tracks. You know, they've had a history in the past of trying to they did the Stuxnet virus in 2010. There were some nuclear scientists killed around that time, but that was 12 years ago. Uh, meanwhile, what they're doing militarily, they had two scientists recently poisoned in Iran that they're blaming Israel on. These were young, athletic, highly skilled scientists. They were 400 miles apart in different cities. They both died within days of each other, different hospitals. And then they started trying to finger Israel for poisoning the scientists, which Israel, of course, has a history of killing their nuclear scientists. (laughs) And then Iran, at that same time, roughly around that time, Iran reportedly arrested a general from the IRGC on charges of spying for Israel. So Israel's been kind of covertly, somewhat overtly acting in that way. But then recently what they did 
is they uh, did a four-week most extensive drill they've done in decades. It's called the Chariots of Fire. This was in May, where they prepared to attack Iran to fight a multi-front war with Iran's proxies, Hezbollah, Hamas, Syria, etc. And they prepared for many casualties in this war. They had to do triage setups and prepare for this suspect hundreds of casualties will happen in a proxy war with Iran. Now, geopolitically, they actually just met recently in Sharm Sheikh area. They met with Saudi Arabia, Qatar, Bahrain, Egypt, and Jordan. And I think the U.S. was even there as well. And they're trying to put together a Mideast NATO, if you will. And not necessarily an Abraham Accords, but a Middle East NATO thing, though. Jordan, of course, is a little concerned about that. They, 46% of the Jordanians in March said their Israel is the greatest threat to the Arab world. But also now they're asking Biden if he will allow them to export an air defense system to the Arab countries aligned against Iran. So they're trying to build this Middle East NATO, talking about Saudi Arabia, UAE, Egypt, Jordan, Bahrain, and Qatar. They're trying to align themselves and give them an air defense system. So it really looks like Israel is about to do something, and they're probably trying not to go it alone. But they're probably preparing this alliance that they hope they can put together. And that's a dangerous combination. But in the Middle East, is a saying, the enemy, my enemy, is my friend. Mm-hmm. So they all have this common denominator, which is their concern about Iran getting a nuclear weapon and advancing the spread of their hegemony throughout the Middle East and establishing an Islamic Shiite caliphate. That's, the, that's what Iran's ultimate goal is. I want to ask you a question that you write about in your book, Nuclear Showdown in Iran. You speak about an ancient prophecy that may pertain to Iran's nuclear program, which has been vastly overlooked. What are the prophetic implications of a nuclear Iran? Well, that's the thing. I think there is a prophecy that talks about a nuclear Iran written around 596 B.C. by Jeremiah in chapter 49, verses 34 through 39. And this was the nature of the book you talked about called the nuclear showdown in Iran, revealing the ancient prophecy of Elam. It's only six verses. I can summarize them real quickly. But what happens is the Lord gets fiercely angry at some point, and he says he will bring about a disaster in this area of Elam. Now, Elam on a map hugs the Persian Gulf versus Persia. So when Jeremiah wrote, his contemporary Ezekiel also wrote a prophecy about Ezekiel 38. Ezekiel wrote about Persia. So at the time, there was Elam, which was to the west and the central of Iran, modern-day Iran, and Persia was pretty much all the rest of Iran. So there were two distinctly different places. Jeremiah wrote about 20 years before Ezekiel wrote on his prophecy of Ezekiel 38. Jeremiah wrote about Elam in Jeremiah 49. The Lord gets fiercely angry, and it's because he's upset with the leadership. He says he's going to destroy from there the kings and the princes because they want to launch something lethal somewhere, and he's going to break the bow at the foremost of their might, is what the prophecy says, meaning they won't be able to launch like their ballistic missiles and their continental ballistic missiles. Iran's got missiles that can get to Israel in eight minutes, ballistic missiles already mm-hmm. in this area, by the way, we're talking about Elam. And he says when this disaster happens, there's going to be a worldwide dispersion that says there'll be no nations where the outcasts or the exiles don't go. And that at the time it happens, there's going to be a menu of enemies. It says that Elam will be dismayed before their enemies, plural, but for those who seek their life. And that he's going to send a sword, which is a typology of military invasion in the Bible, until he has consumed that area. 
the dispersion as a result of the disaster is worldwide and it works out in haste. In other words, so it looks like there's a nuclear disaster. Now, in that area, there's a Bouchard nuclear reactor. It's the Crown Jewel of Iran's nuclear program. It was the first one operable, and Russia's building two more, Bouchard II and Bouchard III, in that same area. So depending on when this prophecy finds fulfillment, there could actually be three nuclear reactors that get affected. Plus, they sit on a very seismic area, three tectonic plates, nuclear reactor. So this looks to me like a nuclear prophecy. It says it happens in the latter days. That's the last verse, Jeremiah 49, verse 39. It's in the latter days, he said he'll actually restore the fortunes of the Elamites who were dispersed. Those Iranians who get dispersed as a result of this disaster in the latter days. Whoever goes through the tribulation and survives and gets saved after the rapture and goes through the tribulation, there will be Iranians who do that, get saved, somehow survive. They will be restored to this area in the Messianic Kingdom. So that's the good news. A lot of Iranians are excited on this prophecy. They've heard about it. I've been on satellite TV in Iran with Iran Live Ministries, and we've gone through this prophecy with them, and millions of them have heard through satellite TV about this prophecy, more probably than the Americans have heard about it. And so they're very encouraged by this prophecy. And it also says the Lord will set his throne in Elam, which has also got the Iranians in that area excited. Dr. Hormuz Shawarat, who is known as the Billy Graham of Iran, said that Iranian Christians are extremely excited about and looking forward to what the Bible says about their future. And you mentioned that Christians in Iran are very, very excited about this prophecy. Why do you think they're so excited? Well, there's an interesting phenomenon going on in Iran, a lot of supernatural evangelism from the Lord. You know, this is a very repressed country. Uh, scarcely any missionaries can get in there, nor are there any that really want to go there. But yet it's the fastest-growing evangelical population in the world. There are dreams, visions, miracles, healings, things going on over there that the Lord's doing. And that in itself is a fulfillment of prophecy. And that particular area right there, we don't know the headcount per se, but there's, we're estimating probably about a million or more Christians who converted out of Islam, dismayed with Islam. And so this prophecy in particular, when they find out about it, they get real excited because it's got a lot of hope in it. The Lord's going to set his throne there. He's going to deal with the bad issues. And he's going to, he will restore the captives. As I've said on Hormoz Asheria's program, I said, well, this is not a good exit strategy for these Iranians because it's a disaster. They need to get to know the Lord now, before, because the captives coming back are the ones that end up going through the tribulation and get saved. And also they need to know where they're going to go when this disaster happens because it's like in Ukraine right now with Russia's invasion, the Ukrainians have had to migrate on the spot. You know, They were unprepared. We don't want these Iranians in this area to be unprepared. They need to know this prophecy and be prepared when they sense it's going to happen to get out of there beforehand. I don't know how many are, but we've been trying to alert them to that. I'm James Collins, and I'm visiting today with Bill Salas about his book and DVD, Nuclear Showdown in Iran. If you like solid teaching from the Word of God, you'll love this book and this DVD. You can purchase a copy now by calling 1-800-652-1144, or you can order online at swrc.com. Now, Bill, you mentioned Ezekiel 38. With the Russian invasion of Ukraine, that Bible passage has been talked about quite a bit. Could that prophecy or other prophecies find fulfillment in the near future if Israel and Iran go to war? Well, I think there's a whole series of prophecies that can find fulfillment, especially if this one triggers it with the Elam prophecy we just 
spoke about. There are some parallels that are interesting that, that I've been observing with the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Now, of course, that's not Ezekiel 38 because the invasion led by Russia involves a major coalition, not just Russia by itself, which includes Turkey, Iran under the banner of Persia, not Elam. There's nine members in that coalition that include some of the breakaway Soviet republics, some of the stands, some of the North African countries, we think Libya, Ethiopia, maybe Morocco and Tunisia, or so maybe even Sudan. That's a massive coalition of about 2.5 million troops capability coming down against Israel, which has about 175,000 troops. It's a different story, but the thing, the parallel is interesting is that the motive of a Russian leader, which Ezekiel 38 talks about a Gog of Magog, we would say that would be the Russian leader, the Russian president. In the latter days, it's the latter days prophecy we're told in Ezekiel 38, I think it's verse 8. He is going to come unprovoked. He's going to get thoughts and devise an evil plan to invade a country for plunder and booty. And that's what they're going to do when they come for Israel. They're going to come to invade Israel for their, the spoils and the plunder and the booty. So when Russia invaded Ukraine, Russian leader developed an evil plan, Vladimir Putin. And we're not saying Vladimir Putin is this Gog of Magog, although he could be, but his health is bad. and I'm always careful of the caveat that. But he invades Ukraine not just only to prevent Ukraine from you know, expanding Western forces, get NATO, get involved in Ukraine, get close to Russia's borders, which is the auspices of what he said. He also, Ukraine is a breadbasket of Europe. It's one of the largest untapped resources of gas and oil availability, about the fourth major producer of wheat, and along with Russia and, and barley and things like that over there. So, you know, there's a lot of plunder and booty that Russia could also have attempted to obtain by invading. So there were some parallels. Now, as far as Ezekiel 38, it's state setting. We see the relationships with Russia, Turkey, and Iran have never been more solid. Strange, odd bedfellows. You've got Shiite, Iran. Sunni, Turkey, and you know, communist Russia. But they're coming together already because of what was going on in the Syrian revolution. They all had common interests. They've met several times after the revolution has ended and solidified their strengths and their bonds. But Israel's got to be drawn securely without walls, bars, or gates in the midst of the land. A safe dwelling people, a peaceful people, and that's not the condition in Israel right now. So I believe what happens is there's a war in advance of that. There's a lot of peripheral prophecies dealing with the Arab countries that share common borders with Israel and Psalm 83. And I've written a book on that called The Psalm 83 Missing Prophecy Reveals How Israel Becomes the Next Middle East Superpower because none of those countries that share common borders with Israel or Hezbollah in Lebanon where Damascus is in Syria, the Hamas and the Gaza, the Jordanians, the Egyptians, the Saudi Arabians, none of them are in the Ezekiel 38 Confederacy. But those countries are all listed in Psalm 83. The book and DVD are titled Nuclear Showdown in Iran, Revealing the Ancient Prophecy of Elam by Bill Salas. Bill, thanks for a great interview. I look forward to talking with you again. Thanks, James. Nuclear Showdown in Iran. The Ancient Prophecy of Elam by Bill Salas is a nonfiction thriller taking the reader on a journey of discovery through the eyes of the prophets and the minds of today's key national players. Can anything good come from the evil that is about to come? The Ancient Prophecy of Elam will reveal what God has ordained, what the prophets saw, and what you need to know and do now. 
Order Nuclear Showdown in Iran, The Ancient Prophecy of Elam by Bill Solace, the book and the DVD, when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or order online, swrc.com. Today's Bible in the News report with Marvin McIlvaney looks at education and a crazy law professor from Berkeley. As Christians, God should be at the center of our lives. We should consider Him in everything we do. When looking for a wife or husband, when trying to find a job, all the important decisions you make in life should be done with prayer, and all decisions should be made in light of God's Word. But most important, pray. Have a conversation with God. He already knows what you want. Another important decision is school. The Bible has a lot to say about education. I'm not saying college is the answer for everything. Not everyone needs college. I know people who did not go to college, and they make a fantastic living. You can read about education in Psalm 78, 5-8, and Daniel 1, 3-21, where the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. Again, education. Or Acts 22.3, where Paul talks about studying under Gamaliel. He says he was thoroughly trained. So there is much to be said about education. It's more valuable than material things. Proverbs 16.16 says how much better it is to get wisdom than gold, and to get understanding, rather to be chosen than silver. Nice and expensive items can be enjoyable, but there are very few things in life that can never be taken away. We'll never go out of style, and that truly make you a better person. So I said all that to say this. Our school system is cranking out the most ignorant people I've ever seen. Case in point. In a recent Senate hearing about abortion rights, Missouri Republican Josh Hawley got into a heated exchange with a law professor from Berkeley over who can get pregnant. Kiara Bridges, testifying as an expert in race and reproductive rights, called out the senator's line of questioning as being transphobic during the Senate Judiciary Committee hearing about the abortion restriction case, Dobbs v. Jackson Women Health Organization, which prompted the Supreme Court to unravel Roe v. Wade. In the exchange, Hawley first probed Bridges by asking her for clarification if she was referring to women when she said, quote, people with a capacity for pregnancy, close quotes. Bridges then responded by noting to Holly, many women, cis women, have the capacity for pregnancy. Many cis women do not have the capacity for pregnancy. There are also trans men who are capable of pregnancy, as well as non-binary people who are capable of pregnancy. Now let me translate that for you. Cis women are women who were born women. Cis women are women who were born women. She is saying that some real, natural women can get pregnant. 
some real natural women cannot get pregnant. Some trans men, those are women who are pretending to be men, can get pregnant as well, as well as some non-binary people, whoever they may be, can also get pregnant. Then Senator Hawley responded by asking Bridges if abortion was a woman's right issue. Very condescendingly, Miss Bridges replied, We can recognize that this impacts women, while also recognizing that it impacts other groups. Those things are not mutually exclusive, Senator Hawley, Bridges said. Senator Hawley then asked to know who Bridges believed was at the core of this abortion right. In other words, is she talking about women? Bridges responded, I want to recognize that your line of questioning is transphobic. It opens up trans people to violence by not recognizing them. Senator Hawley then said, Wow, you're saying that I'm going to get people to violence by asking whether or not women are the folks who can have pregnancy? Bridges then changed the subject and noted that one in five transgender people commit suicide each year. Here is the audio clip. Professor Bridges, you said several times, you've used a phrase, I want to make sure I understand what you mean by it. You've referred to people with a capacity for pregnancy. Would that be women? Many women, cis women, have the capacity for pregnancy. Many cis women do not have the capacity for pregnancy. Um, There are also trans men who are capable of pregnancy, as well as non-binary people who are capable of pregnancy. So this isn't really a women's rights issue. We can recognize that this impacts women while also recognizing that it impacts other groups. Those things are not mutually exclusive, Senator Hawley. So your view is is that the core of this, this right then is about what? So um, I want to recognize that your line of questioning um, is transphobic, <laughs> um, and it opens up trans people to violence by not recognizing that. Wow, you're saying that I'm opening up people to violence by asking whether or not women are the folks who can have pregnancies? So I'm one, I want to note that one out of five transgender p- uh, persons have attempted suicide. So I think it's important Because of my line of questioning? So we can't talk about it? Because denying that trans people exist and pretending not to know that they exist I'm denying that trans people exist by asking you you if you're talking about women having pregnancies? Do you believe that uh, men can get pregnant? No, I don't think women can get (laughs) pregnant. So you are denying that trans people exist? And that leads to violence? Is this how you run your classroom? Are students allowed to question you? Or are they also treated like this? No, no, no. They're they're told that they're opening up people to violence. We have a good time in my class. You should join. I bet. You might learn a lot. Wow, I I would learn a lot. I've learned a lot just in this exchange. Absolutely. Extraordinary. Once again, this is a law professor at Berkeley. Growing up in California, we always referred to it as berserkly because the strangest things would happen there. America has lost its rudder. We are floating around with no direction. We are confused about moral issues. We are confused about gender issues. We are confused about sexual issues. But you know what? God is not the author of confusion. Satan is. We read in 1 Corinthians 14.33, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. Are today's headlines telling us what is about to happen to this world? Find out in Bill Solace's book and DVD, Nuclear Showdown in Iran, Revealing the Ancient Prophecy of Elam. Order these explosive resources today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. 
or order online, swrc.com. More details on the ancient prophecy of Elam with Bill Solace tomorrow. Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station or by subscribing to our daily Watchmen on the Wall podcast. Watchmen on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners just like you. Visit swrc.com. That's swrc.com.